find those little like little tasks that gives you a bump in dopamine, whether it's making your bed, going to the gym, cleaning your room, uh, and doing the hardest tasks first. You are now tuning in to the Roughnecks Podcast with your host, Cole Nixon. Much love. What's up, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you guys about Desert Fox Golf. I've recently partnered up with them, and they have some awesome products that you definitely want to check out. They have something called the Phone Caddy, which is the best phone holder in golf. It comes in many different colors, and they even have ones with funny sayings on it, like, I work to support my golf habit, and it takes a lot of balls to play like me. If you are like me and like to use a golf app while you're playing, and this is the thing for you because it holds your phone in a convenient location right on the golf cart. They even have a cigar holder attachment for it. One of my favorite things is their drink aid tumblers. They have these awesome 17 ounce stainless tumblers with a screw on lid to hold your favorite beverage while playing around a golf. They have different versions from the classic swing aid to nurse aid, hunting aid, fishing aid, and my personal favorite design, the Patriot Aid Tumbler. Head over to desertfoxgolf.com and use the promo code ROUGHNECKS for 10% off your order. But let's get into today's guest. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. Joining me today is a friend of a past guest who we just spent a little bit of time talking about. But without further ado, Matthew, welcome to the Roughnecks Podcast. Thanks for having me on, man. It's good to be yeah, here. Yeah, you were like we were talking about, you were a recommendation through Nolan Tucker, who actually still has the highest performing episode of all time. Uh, I don't think he, I don't even think I told him that, but he has no the highest. Awesome. <laughs> um, but he recommended you and I couldn't, I mean, the highest performing episode, I couldn't say no to a guest from <laughs> Nolan. And after I looked you up and, you know, did a little, my little bit of research, I definitely thought you'd be great. Um, but you know, I'm glad to finally get you on here after we've been, I don't know how long we've been trying to get this worked out. You know, things get, life happens, but it's been a while that we've been trying to get this finally, like actually to work out. Yeah, I know you reached out to me last, it was last year. And now at the time of recording, it's beginning of March, but it's been at least, you know, six months of just playing phone tag pretty much and trying to figure out a time, but glad I could finally make it on and I really like your podcast. It's a it's a great message, and I also really enjoyed Nolan's episode. It was pretty entertaining. I wasn't he on the phone with you? Uh, yeah, in his he, truck he or something him. was going on. <laughs> uh, he wasn't in his truck, but he well, yeah, like that day, the, the first time me and him like had a date scheduled, we like an hour before he messaged me and was like, dude. I'm not going to be able to record because he had a blowout on one of his trucks, company trucks that he was driving. And like, it was sending me pictures and I was like, no, you're good, dude. I know how bad that is. That does not look fun. He was dealing with the tire issue. And then we finally ended up, you know, recording, but he was on the phone with me. Well, he recorded through his phone. And then like we, when we got done, he like took me outside. He's like, look at this. And like, was showing me everything of his view and everything. But yeah, they, it was uh it was the same situation where me and him talked for probably six to eight months before we actually finally got to record. Yeah. Yeah. It can, it can be, it can be tricky, especially if you're in the, in the ranching world, you know, mm-hmm. flat tires are commonplace. It's been my experience, unpredictable. Oh, yeah. uh, and you know, you never know what's going to happen and every day is different, but yeah, 
Yeah, I like to allow my guests to kind of give the Roughnecks listeners a little background on who they are. So just kind of tell the listeners who Matthew is. So I am Matthew Weir. Um, some of you who are listening might know me by my TikTok or Instagram page. Uh, the handle is Weir Matthew, which is just my last name and first name. Uh, but my main thing uh, and what's gotten me in touch with the past guest, Nolan, has been my TikTok page, uh, the ranching that I've been up to the past couple of years, um, and also some of my filmmaking. Uh, so primary background being ranching, but I also very much enjoy making films. I've been making films since I was around 11, kind of the classic making home videos, focusing on, you know, battles, recreating stuff, you know, playing with airsoft guns, filming it. Uh, and, you know, one thing led to another, and now I'm kind of breaking into the videography, short film documentary sphere, and that's taken me all the way to Los Angeles, which is where I currently live. Uh, and I live in South LA, where I'm going to school, and finishing up a degree, and the, the Random thing about this degree is that I'm studying opera, so I'm studying to be an opera singer. And maybe sometime down the line, I'll figure out how someone could possibly combine ranching with opera, with film, and you know, maybe come up with something unique. Who knows? But originally, I'm from South Carolina, grown up there in the upstate in Greenville County, Lawrence County area. Uh, on a hobby farm set so grew up working with chickens with steers and you know we had a healthy population of goats too and uh i don't know just that growing up like that gave me an appreciation for the outdoors for agriculture and it's really what's led me to get into ranching um so yeah that's just a little bit of background about me and kind of a bird's eye view about what i do so, you know, you talked about the opera. I got why opera, you know, of all the things that you mentioned, I feel like it's the most like not like completely out of left field, but it's a little bit different than everything else that you listed. So why was opera your choice? Oh, my gosh, dude, it's so random. Uh, I don't really have a background in opera. And, I, you know, not many people do. It's a very obscure performing art. Uh, I got into it because... Well, I guess a little background is I've gone to a couple of universities at this point. Um, and for your listeners, I'm 23 years old and I've still got about two or three more years of school left. So I've, I've run the gambit on the college experience. Um, but at my first school, I was a business major and uh, a little shout out. It was Furman University in South Carolina. I think they just won the Southern Conference, uh, rolled in. <laughs> and uh, I was studying business and I ended up getting into the choir there at school and they're like, Hey, you should consider doing the voice program. And I was like, Oh, that sounds more interesting than doing business. And, you know, they didn't have any film programs, which was my other interest. And so I was like, all right, let's do it. And the singing technique that they taught was opera. And so that's how I got into it. And that was about three, four years ago. And, so I got exposed to that, did that for two semesters. And I was like, this is the weirdest thing ever. You know, I'm never going to do this. I have 
no real interest in opera. It's just, you know, it's not really my vibe. I like agriculture and, you know, all that sort of thing as well. And so I ended up, um, the, my saving grace for that frustration was COVID-19. And that happened, you know, March 2020. And I dropped out of school that semester and started applying to ranch jobs because I saw it, you know, you're in school, you feel kind of stuck. This huge, this catalyst comes in and it's like, all right, this is an opportunity to hit the reset button on my life. And uh, yeah, I just, I was like, well, always wanted to be a cowboy. I think everyone has dreams when they're young of being an astronaut, a cowboy, a fireman, you know, anything like that. And I was like, cowboy. So I started looking up jobs on the internet and one thing led to another and I ended up getting an internship at a ranch in Idaho and, you know, started going there, worked there for two summers. Then I worked at another ranch in Colorado and, you know, I've lived in both of those states, Idaho and Colorado, and ended up being back in school. But back to the opera thing, during that whole process, um, I was able to think and reflect upon what uh, an opera career could have for me. And I just found that I really enjoy singing a lot. And um, whether it becomes a career or not, it's kind of an integral part of my uh, personality and what I what I enjoy. And so I just decided to get back into it and give another try. So we're kind of in the midst of that. One of the things you talked about multiple schools and, you know, you, you kind of laughed about it. And like, you know, you've been through you've been through like because it's not. You know, everybody wants to pick one school and just, you know, ride it out and finish school, which what people don't realize is a lot of times, like when you're on those college visits, you're, you're getting all the good. You're getting all, oh, we have this. And then you forget like, oh, yeah, you still have tests and like all this. You still have like, you know, try to balance life and social life. And uh, if you're playing sports, athletics and those kind of things, like because like I was the same way where, you know, I only went to one school. But when I got there, it wasn't exactly what i envision you know everything to be you you come across that where it's not exactly what you want it and it's like sometimes you know that you might have thought this was going to be the best fit for you and you you, you realized it wasn't maybe you know they didn't have the programs you you wanted or you end up switching majors because that's very common i switched mine three times it's very common and like you know being at that i don't know if it's the same school that you're at now but you know, you found opera through maybe a school that you are no longer at. Like you find things that you like and you don't like. They're not failures. They're just kind of you learn through it and you just continue to try and build off of it. Exactly. In, in life, it, you know, there's so many games to play in life. There's so many pathways, uh, so many communities that you can be a part of. And the mindset behind all of that is just being having a curious mind, but also not feeling locked into any particular sect and just always embracing possibility while also not sacrificing whatever your core values are. And that's what's brought me all the way out here, kind of a crazy journey. Um, but I'm the happiest I've ever been. And, you know, people do say, yeah ride out the college experience um you know it's just something you have to get done check that box um i feel lucky i was in a position to where i could take a break from school and it wouldn't be um 
too much of a big deal, a bad thing. And, you know, I think I'm the better for it. Um, yeah, just you never know where opportunities are going to come from. Uh, and mm -hmm. and it, so much of it is based off of the relationships that you have and the people that you know and love. But, yeah. Oh, relationships are huge. I feel like no matter what industry that you plan to go in or where you are at in life, I mean, I've this podcast has built some of the best relationships with people, my guests that I never thought I'd even be talking to. And like, it's introduced me to people that like, I wouldn't think I'd necessarily, you know, get along with outside of like a business type of relationship. If you want to call, you know, recording a podcast, a business style relationship or but like, you know, I have social life with some of my guests that I never thought was going to happen. Or, you know, I, I have people that I talk to all the time, but like how, do does relationships in like what the industry you're in with the filmmaking and music and you know the ranching all of the things that you do how has relationships helped you in that aspect oh my gosh well i mean <laughs> in, in ranching uh, it's all word of mouth you know all the work that you do uh you know my first ranch job it, it's hard to get the first one um if you get to that job you do well usually it's a lot easier to get to the next one and then the next one then you're established and it's like oh, you know a lot of people know who you are uh, a lot of businesses are like that but i feel like agriculture you know smaller rural industries are even more so even more so like that i mean with relationships uh that when i i a little thing about me is that i did i didn't know how to ride a horse like three years ago and uh i was like you know, I have learned how to ride a horse, but I'm going to do this cowboy job. And I already like made it sound like, you know, I've had some experience, like I would be a totally, be totally worth hiring me, even though I had no idea what I was talking about. And so I found this barn uh, that did horseback rides and I got in touch with the guy that owns it and asked that uh, he teach me how to ride in exchange for free labor. And one of the girls that was an actual employee there went on to work on a ranch in Colorado. And, you know, a year and a half later, um, I hit her up and was like, hey, I'm looking for a job. Do you, do you know anybody? And she's like, well, you can come work at uh, this ranch in Colorado. And, you know, that's a great example of how those relationships can help you get jobs. And on top of that, meeting people through social media is, is another tool that I'm still learning how to use and like wrap my head around because you can connect with and i'm sure you know about this as you can connect with people on instagram and never meet them and they'll still connect you with people uh, you know it doesn't happen all the time but it does nonetheless and just trying to figure out how to leverage those this new category of online relationships you have friends, you have family, you have business relationships, and like this whole online category that I'm trying to figure out. Um, but on, online connections can lead to video gigs, can lead to photo shoots, can lead to modeling, uh, can lead uh, to even more ranch jobs. And you know, I'm navigating that right now, seeing like what the what my future in that world is going to look like. But yeah, absolutely, relationships key in anything and like you said you know you it's it, basically too you know you didn't know how to ride a horse and you just randomly messaged someone that you knew had done it and all that kind of stuff it's kind of you know it sounds 
like you know talking to a girl or whatever in it's shoot your shot like you can shoot your shot in business like you have to sometimes you know i i've done it where you know or i'll shoot my shot with guests that i, I never expect to hear from people that i want to have on the podcast like you know these big time names and like i'm not afraid to admit it like i've, I've messaged them but like you never know what's going to happen until you do it and if you know maybe you're not exactly where you want to be like not knowing how to ride a horse you're not exactly there yet once that opportunity arises you can figure it out like it's not like it's like going to change in an instant you have time to kind of figure this out and like you know you have to have a plan essentially like you got to figure like you you did very good and i really like how you did you know hey teach me how to ride a horse and i'll give you free labor like that's just a great way of using your resources like you're going to be there anyway and what better way to get connected with a horse like or get used to horses than being around them not only riding them but also working around them it, i mean that's that's uh that's really cool but you, you talked a lot about the you know the social media and navigating it it's crazy to try and navigate social media anymore because it's so it changes i feel like every day where it gets just improves 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 and it's kind of getting sometimes it's too complicated but sometimes it's also the easiest and completely free tool that you have out there for whatever you want to do like i mean i've talked about it i think the last few episodes where you know i haven't posted on my personal instagram since like october but the like the roughnecks i post way more often because it can, it is a big tool that you can use for business and stuff like you i'm sure tiktok and instagram reels has changed the game for people like you you know, to kind of talk about how social media has changed and helped you navigate or help you in your career yeah i, mean, I guess i can go back to how it, how it started so um, again i have a, a little bit of a background in film when i was in high school i made a documentary a short documentary about this organization called the Civil Air Patrol, um, which is like a cadet program through the U.S. Air Force. And um, but it's also this whole volunteer organization catered towards aviation uh, and search and rescue. All that is to say, you know, I did that, did like a festival run with that in the high school circuit and figured that, OK, I really enjoy making films, so I'm going to keep that in my back pocket for later on when the opportunity presents itself. And I hadn't really made anything, uh, had taken anything to festivals in between that high school film and this ranch that I worked on. And, but it was while I was there, and this is a totally new subject about what this ranch does. Uh, they're all regenerative. Uh, they have amazing beef. It's, I, I don't know if you follow them on Instagram, it's called Alder Spring Ranch. Like, what, what they do is fantastic. And it's all, you know, carbon negative, climate positive. Uh, they incorporate longtime cowboy traditions with new ecological herding techniques, regeneration, that, all that stuff. But while I was working there, I was like, man, you could really make a documentary about this whole operation. And, you know, just trying to, and this is another, Thing that I'm figuring out now is that uh, regardless of your interests, there are ways to combine them. It's hard to think of things more opposite than, say, film and ranching. But when you think about it, there are so many Western films out there, and um, there's especially with Yellowstone going on right now. Like that stuff is Western culture is hot right now, and uh, 
So just thinking of combining those two, and I was like, oh, this could be cool. So I just started taking videos with my iPhone and posting them on TikTok. And, you know, about a year and a half later, two years later, um, you know, I uh, developed a little bit of a following. And it just shows that there's an interest out there um, for that kind of content. Uh, but the opportunities that have also come out of social media for film and for ranching is that after developing that following from this ranch, brands will reach out to you. Uh, they'll want to you know, work with you on brand ambassadorships. They'll send you free stuff, which is always welcome. And uh, they'll, I've also gotten some more freelance documentary work out of it. Um, you know, I can use it in my resume. It's part of my portfolio. Uh, done some, since now I'm located in Los Angeles, I've done a very small amount of consulting for uh, films that are on like Western and also documentaries on beef and sort of functioning as a middleman. But all of that has been through social media and through TikTok and Instagram. And it's the craziest thing. But yeah, you can get brand relationships, relationships with people, more jobs. Uh, so I'm going to really try and dial that up this summer because I don't have a hard set plan. So I'm trying to book video gigs as consistently as I can throughout and, you know, make it worth my while, but also make, make good content. So, yeah. <laughs> Man, it's crazy that, you know, you started recording with an iPhone. Like that's what people don't, I think kind of get lost in sometimes, you know, they want to get into the, the filmmaking lifestyle or you know they want to make the get a grow a following on instagram tiktok whatever it is and they think they have to have these super high dollar cameras and make these like super complex videos and it's like no sometimes all you got to do is just pull out your phone and take a quick video do a little bit of editing upload it and then and especially like like you said you know with every the western lifestyle that's kind of that stuff is blowing up right now you know and yellowstone definitely had a big part TikTok and all the stuff that got posted and everything you're seeing i'm seeing a lot more i mean that's how i found you know nolan was scrolling through TikTok, found him followed him and then all of a sudden i was like i really like this stuff and that's how i ended up getting connected to you and going back to that whole how social media like people you may never talk to really in your life but you end up connecting th people through those people but you know I, I mean i had uh i've had a videographer on he is a sports videographer works for ohio state and ohio state football and uh the nfl as well and you know he started he went to college with me at a d3 college started making videos of the football team and with a really you know he calls it cheap some people call it expensive, but like the videographer that's not working in the NFL, it was really cheap. And he was like, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I just turned the camera on and started recording. And that's sometimes all you have to do. That's how you have to start. That's how you're going to learn. And sometimes all you need is an iPhone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I listened to that podcast episode of you and your friend. He's talking about what it's like, uh, doing photography and videography in the stadium and like how the energy is just electric and like how we've got it, you know, you get a bit of really fast turnaround when you're doing that kind of work uh, just to get, you know, those photos on social media like that. That's a totally different world. And that is, it's such an exciting job to do something like that. But yeah, I mean, like it all starts, I mean, everyone has a camera in their pocket now with iPhones and that's how it started for me. And, uh, 
you know, I can still continue to use my iPhone and they take better and better pictures. And I would say that even to this day, 75% of my videos are shot on an iPhone. I've kind of moved more toward um, a professional video camera setup that I have. Um, and also as a, as a way to market uh, a documentary I'm working on. So Yeah. You know, what is, what, what, what is your camera setup now? Like I always say to people like you that I have on, that I won't understand a thing that you are saying, but people that, you know, are listening that want to know about it, I want them to understand. Like, I got to ask the question so that, you know, people that want to know, they can know what you're working with and that kind of stuff. Hell yeah. Uh, my day to day is the iPhone 12 Pro Max. It's it's a pretty fantastic phone. Does the job. Uh, my uh, regular camera setup is a Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K. Um, I use a small rig, like cage to put over it to mount things onto it. I have a Rode shotgun mic that I can mount on top of it. I have a couple of uh, lav mics that I can pin onto people if I'm trying to get close ups, interviews. I run the camera on a, with V-mount batteries, um, and that'll give me like extra long battery life. Um, and I'll run a small HD monitor on top. Sometimes, you know, a little side handle for extra grip. Lenses like uh, Sigma, um, eighteen to thirty-five millimeter with a Metabones. Uh, speed booster ad attached to that so it can go from an EF lens mount for all the nerds out there, an EF lens mount to a micro four thirds. And that's what I shoot mostly on um, for TikTok. I'll just, you know, because most cameras shoot in an aspect ratio that's you know, like a TV screen, um, 16 by 9, I believe is what it is. And if I'm shooting TikTok, so I'll turn my camera to the side so it shoots like an iPhone. And if I'm shooting like a documentary or a promo video, I'll just turn it right back, right side up. And, and that's all I've needed. It's a fantastic kit and it is shockingly durable. Uh, I shot a documentary about that ranch. Uh, so the first year I was there, shot a lot of iPhone videos, kind of feeling it out. And then at the beginning of last year, I pitched a documentary to the rancher and he approved it. And so I ended up filming that summer out in the wilderness with them because they live with the cattle. Um, and so I took this camera with me for up, you know, three to five days at a time in the Idaho wilderness, filming everything that was going on. You know, never ran out of battery, always had plenty of storage. It's, a, it's just a great setup. So. Did you say they live with the cattle? Like they legit still do things. I know you mentioned it, but they still do things the old school way with the new. You said oh, new yeah. techniques. Oh my gosh! Kind of I gotta, about I tell you about this ranch. Dude, this ranch is insane. It's absolutely insane. They, I got, I got to be careful because they might be listening to it. Uh, <laughs> no, it's actually like they are some of my favorite people. Uh, I can just give you a little background on the ranch. So it's called Alder Spring Ranch. You can look them up on Instagram. Um, they're one of the leading regenerative beef operations out there. Um, the best beef I've ever had. Um, so they offer this internship called the Alder Spring Range Rider Internship. So during the summer, 
they'll bring in a group of eight to 10 young people. Um, you know, most of them are students. A lot of them are studying agriculture, uh, but not everyone. And nobody is required to have any experience. And so they take you from start to finish on what they call their summer inherding project. And that entails, they have you know, 400, 450 head of cattle and they're all yearlings. So they're like basically cow teenagers. So they've got a little bit of an attitude. They've got a lot of energy and uh, they take them from their main ranch in, uh, in the valley of this area in Idaho, take them up to their rangeland allotment, which is around 70 square miles of wilderness. They'll take them up there in May and live with them in teepees from May till the beginning of August. In some years, they've been out there till September. And the way they're able to do it is they have these interns and they do rotations of groups of four to five along with the rancher and you know his children. They rotate out in stints of three to five days. And so you're just constantly going up and down off the range, um, living with these cattle. And so I did that for two seasons and it is the most fun I've ever had in my life. Like it's really fascinating because it's an insanely difficult job. Um, when you're contending with all these natural forces, um, like I can say now that I have been struck by lightning, like pretty close meaning I've been electrocuted by lightning in a thunderstorm. You know, I've been through a stampede, uh, plenty of interactions with rattlesnakes, uh, you know, interactive wolves, uh, bears, plenty of elk, make this whole thing and just all living out of a teepee, drinking spring water, being dirty, smelling like absolute shit, and just having a blast. On top of all of that, uh, the family, it's, they're just fantastic people. So it's this rancher and his wife, and he has seven daughters, and they run this ranch together as a family. And um, the father is a, an experienced uh, man in forestry, and his wife has a PhD in ecology. And they've developed this herding paradigm where they use cattle as a tool to regenerate rangeland grasses and soil. Uh, and to sum it up, they mimic the natural habits of bison herds that once roamed that area. And using that method, they're restoring it back to its original sort of fertility, so to speak. Um, since the bison have been removed, the ecosystem was put out of whack. And that's what the entire West is experiencing is, you know, they've taken out this huge herbivore and now the grass, you know, they're gonna, you're seeing an invasive species, you're seeing desertification. And so by this paradigm, they're able to, in essence, bring the bison back to the range while regenerating the land and feeding their cattle and making amazing beef and it's environmentally friendly and it's a ton of fun it's like it's the perfect mix i think and uh so i shot a documentary about their operation last year and i have it in the can and i'm in the process of editing it right now 
And it looks like it's going to be either a feature film or maybe a 30-minute documentary. We'll see. But in the very much deep in the editing process, and it'll probably come out this summer or this fall. So uh, for more information, stay tuned on my TikTok page. But anyway, uh, it's an amazing place. Amazing. But please follow their Instagram. Follow their story. It's beautiful. They do really good work. So... And you said that's based out of Idaho, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's crazy because I feel like, you know, a lot of people, you know, first off, have you seen Yellowstone? I'm assuming. Oh, absolutely. I love that show. Okay. <laughs> so from the things that you said, you know, and that's what yeah, I, I think this was one of the questions that I asked Nolan was, you know, how much of Yellowstone is true in like the true la- ranching life? Like, obviously... Mm-hmm. It's a drama, like there's a little bit extra drama because it's a TV show, but like how much of that kind of that lifestyle is true compared to what you experienced? Um, you know, we've only killed a couple of people. Uh, we've only used the train station once or twice. Uh, a couple of nosy journalists got it, but <laughs> overall, um, gosh, I think I would say the most recent season that Taylor Sheridan has come out with is probably the most accurate version that Yellowstone has about that lifestyle. When John Dutton becomes governor and they're contending with, you know, different legal issues, aside from the family just being, you know, dark, uh, when they have these brandings and the community comes out, uh, when they go out and gather the, the, the pairs, you know, a lot of that is very accurate. And a lot of the sentiments expressed in that TV show about the how these two opposing forces, which you would call progress and tradition, you know, how they go head to head. I think I think he confronts those two things very well. And um, obviously it's favoring the more rural traditional side, um, but I think he does it pretty well and in a very entertaining way. But the short answer is pretty similar. Uh, just no one's killing anybody. Uh, we haven't had any range wars yet. Um, but oh my gosh, these uh, we when we when I first got there, obviously I wouldn't consider myself a cowboy, uh, especially since I live in Los Angeles. But when I first got there as an intern. We got off the range off of our first stint. So we were dirty. You know, we had the cowboy hat get up. Uh, we were wearing wild rags, which for the listeners is like a cowboy handkerchief. And you know, we had the boots, the spurs, the shafts, everything. Came off the range, really dirty. We're like, all right, we look like legit working cowboys. I'm like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to the local bar and just yuck it up, have a good time. So we show up, you know, we're shooting pool. We've got our big hats on and this group of guys, they're all wearing baseball caps. They've got, hey, dudes on, no cowboy boots. These guys are actual boys. And they come up to like, what the hell are you guys doing? I'm like, what are you talking about, man? And it's the, the <laughs> and I will say that we almost got beat up that night. So in, in terms of, uh, the more violent side of Yellowstone, going to these bars and seeing townies and, and you know, wannabe cowboys. It's all very real. And people that are actual cowboys 
do take offense at people that are impersonating. It's not all of them, but uh, we we've had some run-ins, and so you know we had after that experience. Like, okay, we're going to dial it back until we can uh, sort of earn the right to uh, join this community. But yeah, it's a really funny story. But yeah, uh, and Idaho is such a a punchy area, Eastern Idaho. Like you got some real raw cowboys, some really tough people. Like, I mean, I could, I could go on and on, but the cowboy that worked on this ranch full time, he's one of the ranch managers. The story that they had about him was that uh, they're up on the range. They're in this area called Bear Basin. And, you know, it's probably uh, eight miles to the nearest road. That night, the horses get into a fight and break out. He wakes up, sees that the horses are running away just as they leave. Man doesn't have any socks on. He just throws his cowboy boots on, no socks, starts running after them. He chases them all the way to the road that night with no socks. His feet are bloody, and he just keeps going. And he eventually catches these horses miles away from their camp and then walks them back up takes the cattle out, does a full day's work, does it all over again. All that with no beer either. So that I, <laughs> that I was amazed. But that's just, it really speaks to the character of these cowboys and their work ethic. And then also their love for these animals and their dedication to them. It's really cool. Yeah, it almost like that story reminds me of like it's like the, you know, basing it off of a character that people will understand that, you know, have all watched Yellowstone. It's like a rip. Like those are the people that are like they're there and that's what they do and they would probably die for that range. Mm-hmm. Like they would probably they would do anything because that's their life. That's literally their like yeah, it's how they get paid, but that is like they love what they do. It's just when you find that, you know, it's different for everybody, but those people, those types of people are just they're honestly different and there's not many i want to say there's not many of them out there anymore but i you know you don't hear about them because those are the kind of people that are also real quiet and don't really Mm -hmm. you know they're not all over the place they just kind of keep to themselves and do their thing and that's just how they they operate they don't talk it up they just do it and uh exactly those are the ones you gotta watch out for (laughs) (laughs) they just yeah i mean yeah I'd always be like in football because I played college football, you know, just D3 football. But I remember like the ones that were all like, you know, hooting and hollering before the game. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But it's like the one that's like taking every warm ups really seriously. That's the one I'm like, I don't know if I want to be around you during the game because I feel like you're going to hit me really hard. You got that <laughs> but, glare. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, got, it's got those eyes, man. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, you kind of talk to way back at the beginning how you, you, you kind of called it hobby farming or whatever growing up you know being around you know and that's kind of what we have some big farms here in ohio but it's like not like ranch lifestyle but you know it's kind of what it's like around my area at least you know you have everybody has a chicken everybody has goats everybody has cows but no like there's not very many big farms anymore um you know how was that big transition from that type of lifestyle to like that big ranch, you know, with, you know, I think you said 450 head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, uh, 
the transition from you know semi-rural South Carolina, which rural for the East Coast is very different meaning. Uh, like the nearest regular sized town was like an hour and a half from the ranch. And that town had nothing. And so like the nearest place that you could get almost anything was like three hours away in Montana, Missoula, Montana. Um, so yeah, I, that, that transition, um, it was a bit jarring. Um, I remember when I got there, seeing the difference in people, um, you know, the culture in the South is, is very different than the West and especially in, in the country like Idaho, you know, Eastern Oregon, Montana. And you can just see it in people's faces, especially folks that work in ranching. Uh, sunbeat, hands well-worn, and getting into that environment was pretty intimidating. Uh, in addition to that, I'm six foot four. And when I showed up to this ranch, this guy has seven daughters and their oldest daughter is like six two. You know, the next one is like six foot and they're like five eleven. I was like, oh my, and their dad is like six foot eight and their mom is six foot three. And I, on top of that, these are all very hardworking people. And I was like, what am I doing? These, some of the toughest people I've ever seen in my life. And just that transition going from what was familiar to quite literally the wilderness was pretty jarring and was something that I absolutely loved. And to top that though, I would say that even more traumatic than that is probably moving from that wilderness in Idaho to Los Angeles. <laughs> so, That's what that was my next question. It was what yeah. was that transition like? Because you went from like somewhat rural, you know, and then to like completely kind of middle of nowhere to LA, which LA mm -hmm. is what it is like you know and then that i how was that you know transition to going from you know being the cowboy life to the city life essentially i will say a lot of people on uh, ranches mostly guest ranches um a lot of those employees are from the south um i i i, I think it's the culture i think people in the south love not that they don't elsewhere but there's a big equestrian culture uh, even though it's pretty far removed from Colorado and Texas, like, you know, South Carolina, Alabama, Georgia, there's still rodeos down there. People absolutely love that stuff. And so I would say it's a little bit more compatible between those two places. But going from Idaho to Los Angeles, it's like a different planet. And on top of that, California uh, in and of itself is like a different planet from the rest of the United States. Um, and I've never lived in a place like California or met people like the ones that live here. Um, it's the whole gambit of people. There's a substantial ranching culture in you know, Central Valley. Um, and also, uh, I would say, you know, closer to the Nevada state line. And, uh, but you also have people that get up on a ball about their skincare routine. Um, and, <laughs> you know, bucket plants. And so you, you know, you get that whole spectrum and uh, <laughs> it's insane. But, uh, you know, all in each of those places that I've gone to, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. Uh, 
one thing that living in a place like South Carolina or Idaho, I just you don't see such a broad spectrum of people. And you know, if you're trying to inform your worldview, it's always good to have a lot of inputs. And so getting being able to see these people for me, however traumatic, it was a very difficult first three months, I would say. Like I was going through some kind of psychological withdrawal from living in a teepee to being in downtown LA. And uh, everyone's saying, well, saw, dude. And, but I think I am better for it. Um, and I, it's taught me a lot about human nature and people's base wants and desires. And like just seeing that lived out in different lifestyles. It's fascinating. And going back to my desire to make films, it, it informs storytelling so much. If you're able to observe people and different lifestyles and habits, it's just, I love it. I eat that kind of stuff up. So I got to ask though, which do you prefer? Do you prefer the, uh, the, you know, the Idaho or the LA? I'm going to run out of this city. Like my hair is on fire when I'm done with school. Um, <laughs> and, uh, probably go to Montana, you know, uh, or Idaho. And then those places have my heart, I would say. And South Carolina, of course. But, I want to have a ranch, man. You know, <laughs> who doesn't want to wake up and be surrounded by rolling hills with like dotted trees, you know, have your own small herd of cattle. You've got a horse. The picturesque view of snow capping of the whole thing. That's what I want. That's the dream. <laughs> up everybody i hope you're enjoying today's guest a lot of people ask me how they can support the roughnecks podcast so i wanted to take a quick break to tell you the best way to support the podcast is to buy and wear merch we have merch available on our website from hats t-shirts long sleeves sweatshirts and even coffee cups there are even use sizes available for the kids head over to roughneckspodcast.com and make your purchase today thank you for all the support but let's get back to today's guest It's one of those things like kind of going off you, you know, you said you needed it's the chance to hit that reset button, you know, when you went out there and did it and, you know, got that internship. And it was similar because I remember like right out of high school or just towards the end of my college career. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I really want to go out west. And everybody's like, oh, it's just because you're watching Yellowstone. At this point, like two seasons of Yellowstone were out and I haven't even seen an episode. And now, Mm -hmm. obviously, I've watched it all. But, you know, going like I was like, no, like it has nothing to do with that. Like, that's just the life that I feel like I've always wanted to do. And it was always in the back of my head. Then I started watching Yellowstone and then I started watching TikTok. And then I was like, okay, I really need to do this. I never ended up doing it going out west because that was my I was gonna do the same thing similar to you. Like mm-hmm. that was my goal is to go out, find an internship and just kind of figure it out, see where it takes me. And it never ended up happening. And I don't say I regret it because things work out for a reason and you know, I am where I am today because of it. But, you know, it is one thing that I wish I'd have done. So I give you props for actually going out and doing it. And, you know, it's it's a really cool experience that you'll be able to take that I feel like not a lot of people, you know obviously how many people are you going to run into in LA that have been that have lived on a ranch and lived in a, exactly lived on lived in a teepee and or could even do it for a day most of them there probably couldn't even do it for a day but you know you you have an experience in you know both 
you kind of mentioned, you know, you learn things from both types of cultures too. And that's like, no matter where you're at, you can learn from it. You can grow from it. Whatever culture you're surrounded by, you can take the positives from it. That's the best thing to do because it'll just continue to help you grow and, you know, excel. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, it doesn't have, you don't have to be an idiot and move to Los Angeles. Uh, you know, you can, you can, you can read about these people, uh, but, <laughs> uh, but you, you can inform your perspective and inform your mind from all kinds of sources. But the main idea is don't be afraid. And, you know, this is, been kind of a theme of this conversation don't be afraid to just get started start filming with your iphone start poking around start exploring and you know because you never know where it's going to take you um you know learn there are lessons everywhere you just have to have ears and eyes you have to always be observing and also write it down i mean i've kept a journal since i was this is just this is something i can credit my father to is he encouraged all my brothers and I to keep journals. And starting from when I was nine years old, I've kept up with it up until this day. And uh, it's it's really informed um, me, <laughs> sort of, <laughs> it, it, as dumb as that sounds. But I, putting thoughts on paper, ideas on paper, you can, and reading it back to yourself, you can see how stupid your ideas are. Uh, it can help you flesh out uh, sort of any sort of, you know, stuff that's not adding up, making sense. It's, it's, and you can uh, create sort of a narrative for your life, which is always fun. You know, I consider myself a storyteller um, from the filmmaking side and being able to write down what happens. I, it almost feels like, well, I. I'm in a very small way the author of, of my story and almost manifesting things through currently in a small way. But yeah. Journaling is a big thing that I didn't start. I mean, kudos to your dad and kudos to you for keeping up to it since you were, you know, nine years old. But, you know, I didn't start doing that till I was late in my college. You know, I think I was a junior or senior when I started junior, uh, journaling. And, you know, I, I do it. I wouldn't say I do it every day, but I keep up with it pretty often. And especially like whether things are good or whether things are bad in my life, I like to write it down because like I date it and then I'll go back, you know, sometimes and look at a year ago and be like, or when I'm having a bad time, sometimes I go back and look at some other, you know, and it's like, it, it, like I asked like what I do personally in mine as I'll do my, my journaling or like for the day. And then like, I ask myself a question for my next, like the next year, like, how's this go or what happened to that? Like, you know, just little things. And when you go back and look at it, it's like, man, I like sometimes it, it gives you the pick me up that I need, like mm -hmm. where you're having a bad day. And all of a sudden you're like, man, I like, I have came a long way. Like things have changed, you know, or, you know, sometimes it might be like, I really need to get my button gear. Like I kind of fell off track, which are both good in a way, but you know, mm -hmm. you'll have the time journaling is a big thing. And, you know, people, as a you know guy journaling people are like oh whatever but it like you know it, it it is very important i feel like to do mentally it helps um it, it just is a great way you know you talked about sometimes if things aren't making sense sometimes i'll be writing in my journal and like you know i'm trying to figure this out and i'll write about it and then all of a sudden i'm like wait 
why was I thinking about like, when you're writing it down, all of a sudden it just clicks in oh, your yeah. head and everything's fine. <laughs> so yeah, like journaling is huge. I highly recommend it to everybody. You don't necessarily have to do it every day, but I recommend, you know, it takes what, you know, five minutes out of your time. If you want to mm-hmm. just do a quick little journal entry on a tiny little notebook, I don't have anything crazy. You know, some days I might write three pages, but most days it's usually, you know, half a page to a you page. Really and that's angsty, you know, just, you know, I fill out half the book. It's like, it's got to dump all that, dump all that trauma on that paper. <laughs> and sometimes like, that's what you need to do. And like, it just kind of, gets that stress or you know gets you're feeling a little anxious whatever it is you know it kind of helps with that i feel like oh absolutely absolutely and it creating a mental map of progress um it's been great like at the end of the year i always try and read all of my journals leading up to that point and i i try and write a reflection um from that year from the perspective of the previous years all the way back to when I was nine years old. And it's, for me, is a wonderful tradition and it gives me, it's it's a great launching pad for the next year. It's like, okay, with the entirety of my written existence in the background, what are the goals that I can have to have a great year of growth um, for this coming year, 2023? And so I'm in the process of manifesting those, so. And, uh, you know, also four year goals, 10 year goals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where I think people get lost sometimes that they short, they, you know, maybe have these 10 year goals of where they want to end up. They look at, oh, like I want to be here and I do it myself. I'm, I'm admitting that I've done this myself where, you know, you want to be, this is your end goal, but sometimes you forget you have to have these other goals in between that you have to accomplish first to be able to even get close to that goal. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you need to have, it's good to have the long-term goal of five, 10 years or whatever it is, but you also have to have one that's for one year. You also have to have one that's for this week, this today. Like, you know, you I set goals. You know, I sometimes I over, I think do it. My girlfriend tells me I overdo it. A lot of people <laughs> tell me I overdo it. Um, but I, you know, I also a goal, like I have a goal for today. I have a goal this week of what I want to get done this month. And, and like, sometimes you don't have to go to that extreme, but it's like, you know, I think setting a goal each day, no matter how big or small it is, is very important because it gives you something to work for. And whether it's making your bed, whether it's, you know, going for a walk, whatever it is, set a little goal for yourself. And when you accomplish that goal, it makes your day feel a little bit better, whether no matter how crappy that day was, if you accomplish one goal that you set out to do, it does start to help you mentally and physically. Absolutely. I mean, we run just psychologically speaking, we run on a dopaminergical system of reward. And so, you know, even the smallest task can release a small amount of dopamine and give you a sense of satisfaction, happiness, and clarity. And, you know, all those sorts of things. And that's where the, the saying, you know, first thing you do, make your bed. Uh, second thing you do, whatever, go to the gym. Going to the gym is a huge release of dopamine, especially if you've made some pretty good gains the past week. And uh, just one, once you realize that your mind, your cog, you know, cognition, like that runs significantly on dopamine, you can engineer a routine 
that can sort of stack satisfaction on satisfaction, little things, like you said, you know, it could be cleaning your room, making your bed, going to the gym, uh, doing the hardest thing first, you know, it's just, just doing yourself a favor psychologically. You always, it's, it's the key. It's, it's a key to success. I would say. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, doing the hardest thing first, you know, I, or doing the thing that you most dread first uh, is a oh. big one. I just recently read a book. Uh, it's called Objective Secure, and it's a military guy. But he, you know, he talked about he lost his leg, and the one thing he hates doing is calisthenics. And but he has to do it for his, you know, prosthetic. Like he ha- like doesn't have a choice. Like he has to do it. So he talks in the book. He's like, I hate doing it. So the first thing I do when I wake up after I do get, like, that's what I do. So that way, you know what? It's done. It's out of the way. And I don't have mm-hmm. to worry about that. Though. Like, so it, it is sometimes, you know, the thing that you're dreading when you push it to the end of the day, and I've done this myself, we've all done it where you, you push oh, yeah, the thing yeah. you don't want to do to the end of the day, it's not going to get done. So it, sometimes it's better of when, even if it's you don't have to do it first thing in the morning necessarily but like maybe that evening when you sit down to do what you're planning to do do the thing you're dreading first because then you'll get it done be like oh the rest of the night's gonna be a breeze oh absolutely do the i I read this somewhere thanks to the internet i have no recollection of where but uh they they say early in the and i've experienced this so i can say it's true for me in the morning your mind is the most active. That's the time when you do difficult tasks, creative tasks. Um, so if there is a time to do the hardest thing, to um, have that difficult meeting or write that shitty essay you've been dreading, do it in the morning. In the afternoon, you can you know reserve that for more mundane tasks, repetitive things. And in the evening, sort of winding down uh, what, you know, could be reading a book, uh, for me, it's scrolling through TikToks, uh, <laughs> which, you know, I'd love to read a book, but some nights, uh, I'm just a little bit too lazy for that. And, uh, yeah, you just gotta, it's, what helps me is taking myself out of day to day and trying to think of things in terms of those cycles. Where it's like, you know, if a negative thought comes in, like, well, all right, it's the afternoon. I'm trying to write something that requires a lot of creative energy. So maybe that's why I feel like I'm a shitty writer right now. And that helps a lot. It's like, okay, I understand what's going on right now. Um, Maybe I should go do something smaller and try to re-engage that dopamine cycle and then get back to that assignment and just try and power through it. Uh, but that for me helps uh, getting through uh, psychological slumps. And uh, it's, I think it's served me pretty well. I'm not perfect at it, but uh, there also there's nothing like having a beer at the end of the day. My <laughs> God. There's, I, oh, I've fallen in love with it after working on a ranch. And oh, I bet. Shop, like you get your hands filled with splinters. You just go in there, you get a silver bullet, and you just take it out. I just want to like cradle that thing. It's it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, there's been times, you know, at Fridays, I work manual labor job, and there's been times Fridays where, you know, we're on the way back to the shop, boss stops on the way back, grabs a 12-pack, and we just sit there, there's, we sit around the truck and just drink real quick, like, for a little bit, a couple beers, and it's like, this is the most relaxing thing I think I've ever done. <laughs> like, after a long day of work, and especially being outside in the sun, when you just grab a beer and drink it and just sit down finally, or even if you're, you know, messing around with some friends or whatever, it's just like you kind of just take a second and just like breathe and finally relax. I feel like. I think one of the best beer work related things was at the end of the day, my boss bought like a 24 rack of Coors Banquets. And uh, this is when I worked in a wood shop. And it was a frustrating day, but we rolled up the shop garage door and you can see the Rocky Mountains from there, which is really cool. And just had a beer and it was like, this is amazing. And I don't really care what happened today anymore. And I'm going to finish my day a happy man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I agree a hundred percent. I, I definitely feel you on the beer thing. It's definitely (laughs) a reward. (laughs) Yes, sir. But I'm going to move into some of these final segments of the podcast. I do have a question. I feel like you know it's coming since you've listened to some of the episodes, but I have a question that I like to ask all of my guests, and it is, if you could go back in time and tell your 16-year-old, if you could go back in time and tell your 16-year-old self one thing, what would it be? Get a girlfriend. Uh, (laughs) uh, I would say... What's that? So that's interesting. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Um, no, I would, I would uh, tell him to ignore all the the noise. I think with uh, ignore the noise and assert your personality. You know, I don't. I think there's a lot of negativity. Um, that can be derived from social media or just your own social insecurities. But figuring out how to differentiate yourself from negative thoughts and sort of rise above the, the depths, so to speak, not to be too dramatic, but sometimes you feel like you're drowning. And so getting out of that noise, getting your head above water and finding clarity. Like I would just give myself an encouraging word and say that um, doing a lot of things right. Um, Ignore those negative thoughts and assert yourself. When we're 16, I feel like we sometimes lose our personality. You know, I did it myself. A lot of people, I feel like do it because we want to, fit in we want to make friends we want to make our girlfriend happy we want to make everybody happy but sometimes we forget to be ourselves be who we are you know and it's the thing i always say about this like the answers to a lot of these questions is is like yeah we say it now because we're older and we went through it and saw it and we had people warn us about it when we were 16 and we didn't listen it's hard for a 16 year old to listen but you know, that's why I like to do it, though, because we also I feel like a lot of times when we talk about these things, it's like, man, I did do that when I was 16. And I'm glad that I figured that out. But also, like, you know, you might I've done it where I've, you know, I've 
not mentored or whatever, but like, you know, I've had some kids when I was in college reach out to me that I went to go to my old high school and stuff. And I'm like, you know, trying to tell them like the mistakes that I made, like, I don't want you to make them, but I know you're going to make them, but like, I'm just kind of giving you a heads up. So maybe you don't make them as bad as I did. And right. like, it's when we're 16 asserting our personality, we forget who we are and we try to please everybody instead of just pleasing ourselves. And that that's where I feel like, you know, that you kind of talked about it, but I feel like it was like self-doubt. We all self-doubt ourselves. And, you know, I still do it to this day where there's been times where I'm like, I think I'm just going to, you know, kind of take a step back from the podcast. My girlfriend's like, you are the happiest when you were doing your podcast. Stop trying to run away from it just because one little thing went wrong. Yeah, like yeah. we have this self-doubt in our head of we look too much at the numbers or whatever it is. And, you know, I had a local artist on country artist and he he you know he was like i was talking on the way over here about how you know is this worth it is this what i should be doing and it was like what what are you talking like his buddy was like what are you talking about like you, you this is what you love to do this has always been your dream why are you just because things maybe not went as fast as we want them to like that doesn't mean give up on it and he, i was like dude you're 19 like you're doing a lot really well for yourself at 19 years old so like don't stop doing it but like you know you have that self-doubt in the back of your head and trying to subdue that is a challenge but when you can finally tell yourself like listen it may not be where you want to be now but just keep going and things will happen for the better absolutely yeah, I mean, but, I think people that are motivated, at least at the onset of being like a motivated type of personality, there's this deep-seated feeling of inadequacy that you'd have to sort of work extra hard to create meaning for yourself. And I'm only saying that because that's how I felt. Um, you know, I felt that I had to work very hard and be super likable. And, you know, th none of those are... Um, unrelatable feelings. I think everyone wants to fit in in high school and uh, just in life in general. But yeah, I mean, you you can just get so bogged down when in fact, you know, you're not doing too bad. And, uh, you know, I, in retrospect, you know, I had a very lucky upbringing, you know, I had good parents uh, and they've taught me good values. And, you know, I think a lot of people can say that. And, um, yeah, so just keeping the eye on the prize, keeping the perspective right, um, and also uh, taking taking it easy on yourself um, occasionally, <laughs> and uh, having having a uh, and uh, having supportive people. Obviously, uh, you need to have good friends. Uh, I think someone on the internet said. Uh, <laughs> about to be very profound. Uh, you know, your friends are a reflection of you. Um, so you want to surround yourself with people. If they're not a reflection of you, they're people that you want to be or emulate. Um, and if your friends are not like that, you might want to reevaluate your relationship with them. But I, I always try to meet people and have friends that I respect and that I feel uh, that they almost outshine me and they give me something to strive for. Um, and, you know, learning from them and 
obviously the main point of having friends for me at least is just to have a good time and uh have people i can just bullshit with but also on a deeper level like my friends really inspire me like wow you guys are doing some cool shit i want to do that and uh like my buddy will who is in a lot of my tiktoks if you follow my tiktok page he's the guy with the black mustache um you know, he does some amazing things. He is one of the most sociable people I've ever met. And he's just really good at winning other people over to him, to like his cause or whatever. Uh, you just can't help but go along with whatever Will is doing. And I've been very jealous of him being able to do that. And so I've tried to emulate that. And uh, he's been a fantastic friend. So, uh, Having people like that in your life, too, is amazing. Yeah, your friends are a reflection of you. That's one of the things I remember first day on campus, first football meeting as a college athlete. We're sitting in there, and the first thing they tell us is y'all, y'all, which is uh, you are who you associate with. That was the first thing they ever told us, and it's mainly for the freshmen to learn, like, hey, listen, you're going to be tempted by a lot of things when you're in college. Have fun, but be careful. Like, because you are an athlete. Like, you are an athlete. And especially being in a smaller school, like, the football team was like the biggest group on campus. So everybody knew who the football team was and all that stuff. So, like, you got to be careful of who you associate with. And, you know, I remember from the internet, like, you talked about, like, you know, if your five friends are millionaires, you're the six. Like that that's how it's gonna work. Like you who you associate with is who you will become. Because like you said, your friend, you strive to be like that. Because it, it they, if you surround yourself with better people, you know, people like you said that outshine you, it's gonna help you. It's just gonna continue to grow you. Like you're just gonna continue to grow up because you don't like like you talked about earlier of how you know we like the satisfaction and the reward and we want to be that person. So like, as we start to move, we start to feel better about ourselves. So we want to be, we rewarded with how we are just by catching up to somebody else. Essentially don't mm -hmm. turn into them because that's where we can kind of get back into that self doubt and all that other stuff that we talked about. Be you, but learn from them take the things that you want to from them and continue to try and, you know, catch to their level in a way um, mm -hmm. and just continue to grow. You gotta, you gotta synthesize, um, you know, from the different inputs in my life with ranching, with music, with film, uh, and with the people that I know, just jumping off of that, synthesizing different aspects of that to yourself and keeping in mind the core of who you are and applying those things. That's how you come up with something unique. I mean, that, that is the basis of innovative thinking. Uh, if you think of, the classic example of the electric guitar is a combination of technology and art, um, and it revolutionized music forever. Um, and, you know, if you think about uh, ranching and film, making a documentary, you combine the two. You know, I get to live with the cows, I get to ride horseback, and I get to shoot video. Like, that combo makes me so happy, and it's something that has ended up being a part of myself. So finding those different points and synthesizing them is it's it's a lot of fun i i get a lot of pleasure out of doing that so i think this is leading us perfectly 
into the best segment of the podcast, which is Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday is the point in the episode where I allow the guests to give the Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump to set the tone for their week as they listen on Monday morning. So what do you got from Motivation Monday? Oh my gosh. I think we've already talked about a few of the motivating factors. For me, something that has motivated me a lot is reading the biographies and autobiographies about people that um, I want to emulate. Um, and it could be anybody. For me, the big two are Leonardo da Vinci and Benjamin Franklin. And there's an author by the name of Walter Isaacson who writes a lot about famous figures. Another great one is David McCullough and his work. Um, but Walter Isaacson's writings on Leonardo da Vinci and Benjamin Franklin have been huge inspirations to me. And reading both of those books, writing down traits that these people had, um, in their life, like Leonardo da Vinci, curious, artistic. He tried all different things from uh, engineering to architecture, to painting, to flight. And same with Benjamin Franklin, from being a diplomat to being an inventor and scientist, um, and just an all around, seems like a pretty cool guy to hang out with. Um, but finding a mentor alive or dead, someone that you can talk to or not, synthesizing traits that have made them successful to yourself in your own unique way. Um, and on top of that, on a more day-to-day -day kind of thing, that's definitely the 30,000-foot view goal-setting kind of thing. On a day-to-day -day basis, find those little, like, little tasks that gives you a bump in dopamine, whether it's making your bed, going to the gym, cleaning your room, uh, and doing the hardest tasks first. Um, and those two things, having the end in sight and doing it in the day-to-day -day, and also keeping track of it in journals, uh, it uh, creates a lot of satisfaction and keeps the self-confidence high, uh, self-esteem high, uh, motivation high, and it's helped me a lot. So, yeah. And obviously you're doing something right. I mean, you've had a lot going for you, that's for sure. But, you know, you, you talked about all those things and, you know, with the books, books are a good way, you know, you find a mentor alive or dead, whether you can talk to or not books. Maybe you're not the most per, like the most uh, outspoken person to go talk to people. That was me. I mean, I'll be honest. That was me. That was before I like that's where I'd never like if you just told me when I was 20. 21 like hey you're gonna start a podcast i'm like yeah whatever like i don't go talk to people like i don't talk to strangers it's just not what i do like i kind of keep to myself like i wasn't like a super quiet person but like i wasn't one that was like messaging people like hey like i know you have no clue who i am but you want to come on my podcast now i'm like i'm all about it but it, you know it's Let's go. <laughs> but through reading <laughs> i mean through reading is one of those things that that's where i've learned like how to kind of learn how to talk to people and, you know, obviously you have to do it to really learn, but reading mm -hmm. can change things because, and here's the thing with a book, most books that I, I, I'm not a frequent, I mean, I read pretty often, but I go through spells. I feel like we're like, I'll read for three months in a row and finish a few books and then I'll read, like take a break for a whole month yeah, of like not reading, but, and it's, 
one of those things that you're not going to take everything away from the book, but you might just take that one thing away from that book that all of a sudden you're just mm-hmm. like, wow, that just changed everything. Uh, that Objective Secure book that I read, there was you know, one key point in that book that I was reading it and completely set the book down because I was like, that just hit like two pages just hit me on a whole nother level than this entire book. And, you know, I think it's very important to read. I don't I don't like to call them self-help books because that kind of sounds like bad. But like, you know, biographies and, uh, you know, the just things that you can learn off of Fifty Shades of Grey. You're not necessarily going to learn how to navigate through life. You might. I don't know. I, I've never read it. I've just seen a couple. We'll of see, movies, yeah, I, I, I got to read okay. that one. That's next on the list. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but like I mean, you're you know, absolutely right yeah you got to mix in books that are going to teach you something about life essentially because if we it's good to have entertainment i'm not saying that but like because when i listen to podcasts i have a bunch of podcasts that are learning like i'm going to learn but then i throw in a few like comedy podcasts here and there because i'm like i need a little bit of switch up like i need some you know some time where it's not like i feel like i'm in class 24 7 like i want to be able to like laugh and have fun it's good to have a balance of both, but you definitely need to mix in things that are going to help you learn, find a mentor, whether they're alive or dead, or you can talk to them or not. I highly agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the what motivates me, I don't like going to the gym, uh, but what gets me, I love leaving the gym. I feel fantastic. I'm like, like a total badass, ready for the day. But what gets me to go to the gym is I simply put on my workout clothes and I'm like, well, shit, I'm already wearing it. So I might as well go. (laughs) And it's the little things, man, like taking that first step, getting your running shoes on. It's like, well, now I have to take, if I really, really don't want to do this, I have to take all this off and put on my day, you know, regular day clothes. And then, uh, but yeah, like those first steps, super important. Oh yeah, I uh, started running with my dog, and what I realized was um, I couldn't get the leash out because he knew what that meant and got way too excited. So at that like point, I was like, "Well, it was way too late. Now I have to go." And if I like go for a walk, at that point, I'm like, "I'm already doing this. I might as well just go for a run and get this over with." And you know, it's, sometimes it's it's the I set my alarm clock across the room. I've actually fell back out of working out, but it is in the process of getting back into it. Um, yep. But, you know, it's one of those things of I put my alarm clock across the room because then I have to get out of bed to do it because that's one of the hardest things to do is to get yourself out of bed if you're doing it in the morning. And when you're out of bed, you're kind of like, I'm already standing up. Like, I might as well just get ready and go. Like, I, I, at this point, I'm already ready. Just go get it done. And, you know, that's sometimes that's the best way to do it is just to tell yourself, like, just just get up and do it. Exactly. And, you know, if you can um, condense your, your view to being just one more step, one more thing, maybe I can just do one more. Or if I'm already doing this, might as well do the next thing. You know, it's, you can get overwhelmed just looking, having the end in sight. And he's like, oh, my God, there's all these steps between where I'm at and where this goal is. Again, setting micro goals, very important. And I feel like I'm very lucky because my dad uh, 
it's a huge influence on my life and goal setting and problem solving. Like he made a big effort in teaching my brothers and I um, time management. And he even wrote a book about it. Uh, and he talks about life being a wheel and each spoke on that wheel. He would call the five F's, which is faith, family, fitness, finance, and friends. And on a scale of one to 10, you know, measure where you're at. So like maybe you're a five out of 10 with faith, six out of 10 with family. And then you can kind of see just how uh, not round your wheel is and being able to negotiate each of those spokes in trying to create something that will actually get you moving. And he used that example a lot growing up. And um, he also talks about it in his book a little bit. And it's it's been a tremendous influence on my life. Five Fs, I, you know, I had um, somebody on way back in like episode 19, but that was one of the things that like she talked about, uh, you know, the pillars of health, your financial, mental, physical, and there was some other things i can't exactly remember what they are but it was i think it was similar like three or five pillars and it's you know kind of based off the same type of stuff but everybody has their own different views of it and it's just like when you start to hear it over and over again it's like you you should really take these things into consideration because there's a reason that multiple people are talking about them because it's true it's something that you should really look at because it does matter Mm -hmm. absolutely and one thing that helps me with doing these kinds of things is doing stuff that I'm interested in. Uh, Within all of my interests, there are things that are really challenging that I don't want to do. Um, You know, like since I'm studying opera, um, I'm in an opera right now and we're doing rehearsals. The whole thing is in French. I don't want to memorize all the French. Like I enjoy opera, I like singing, I like performing, uh, I like throwing on the tuxedo and getting out there. But there's a lot of steps that takes you from getting the sheet music to belting it out on stage. And not every step of that process is very fun, but in all of that, it's still something that I love doing. Um, and so I think finding that thing for yourself will help in learning those difficult and doing those difficult tasks, tasks within what you love. Um, but that is still very essential. I can vouch for that because of the podcast. I love recording. I hate editing. No, I, <laughs> and looking at sound waves, I can tell you because uh, the way I shot this documentary is that I would mic each of the individual riders. I would give them a little pin mic and it would record all day. And throughout the day, I'd be filming. And then I would look at the timestamp from when I was filming to the timestamp of the audio clip that I was recording from. So I'd be sifting through quite literally hundreds of hours of audio. And audio, if you've ever worked with it, is literally just waves. It's not really telling you anything. It's just saying, okay, it's really loud here, but I don't know what the hell they're saying. And you, the, at a point, it's like, you just have to knuckle down and do it. And mm-hmm. even though I love the process, uh, in hindsight, there's that just shitty editing part. <laughs> uh, I agree, but 
Man, with that, that's a wrap on another episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. Matthew, thank you for finally coming on. Where can people find and follow you on social media? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram with my name, just Matthew Weir. And same thing on TikTok. Um, my last name is spelled W-E-I-R. I believe the, the actual handle is Weir Matthew. So it's just last name, first name on both. Uh, but yeah, find me, follow me. Uh, feel free to DM. Uh, I get a lot of questions about how to get involved in ranching, uh, how to get involved in videography. Um, and I try to answer all of them. And I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of fun doing that as well. So yeah, give me a follow and also follow Roughnecks Podcasts. Yes, sir. And the links to his social media will be in the episode description. So if you want to just go down there and click on that, or you can just go search for it yourself. But a couple quick things before we go, be sure to send in your questions for Q&A Fridays. Those questions can be about anything and everything. Send those questions over to roughneckspodcast at gmail.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the newsletter on the website. I've been posting some new things through that newsletter, some behind the scenes stuff and some things that not just the everyday social media follower gets to see. Sign up for that. Uh, on the, you can sign up for that on the website. But other than that, that's all we have for you today until Friday. You guys know the deal. Life is hard and it's going to knock you down just like a bull does to a bull rider. Don't let that bull of life walk all over you. Get up, grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. Roughnecks out. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. If you liked today's episode, then please be sure to share it with a friend. You can follow the Roughnecks Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Roughnecks Podcast. Head over to roughneckspodcast.com and grab yourself some Roughnecks merch. Until next time, make sure you grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. Roughnecks.